Story makers. Hi, this is Angie Powers, and I just wanted to let you know that we did some experimental work today on the bio portion of our podcast. That is, we've forced Kirsty Starkey to give us her bio through a series of questions. We now join that conversation already in progress. How long have you you worked at BB at Women Women's Hour? Yeah. Okay. I've been. Uh, okay. I've been. Uh... This is my third, fourth career, really. Um, uh, and <laughs> I've been here at Women's... I've been at Radio 4 for 16 years, but Women now for 14 years this month. Like now, basically. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What, what did you do before um, Women's Hour? Well, I worked on various different programmes uh, for the Radio 4. Nothing nothing interesting. Women's Hour is like coming home, and I have remained here for 14 years. Um, and previous to that, I worked in TV documentaries, um, which I loved. I really loved doing that. But then it kind of moved into reality TV was a big thing and I couldn't bear it. So I left. It's so um, interesting and- that Tasha has ended up with her. Yeah, but she doesn't like, so, so, so it, it, she's, come, she's come into it at a time when they're going back to doing documentaries again. Whereas, I mean, they always do documentaries, but the pressure was on for higher viewing figures so they wanted to kind of just make everything sex it up is probably the term they would use which is yes. very questionable and I just felt you know and also it was full of boys not pulling their weight that's if you find it just used to really annoy me so I and welcome to know, our also, presidential debates yeah <laughs> but also it was also just the thing about um uh, I don't know uh people you know why would you go on tv and you know, do your dirty laundry in public, you know, and I couldn't, I found it really hard to, to convince people to do, to talk about stuff that they really probably shouldn't bother doing because they should keep it, you know what I mean? It was going to cause them a lot of problems. So I prefer work here, it's, you know, it's got it's integrity. Radio has integrity, I think, which TV often lacks for whatever reason. So, mm. and then before that, I was a, I was a, a primary school teacher, or elementary school teacher, I think is what you would call it. So, Right for six years, a bit of and a, and a restaurant runner in the, in the middle of all that too. Yeah, oh. in Greece. Yes, yeah. in Greece. Yes, for thirteen years. So, <laughs> okay, quite I, a variety. Okay, so I'm just gonna put together a little. Yes, I mean this is actually watch um, this. I know, Mike. I'm, I'm almost like let's, let's just, just see that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. What should we do? Should we just? I think we should surprise our listeners by starting just starting with that conversation, and then leaping in now. All right, we'll go ahead then. All right, I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers Story Show. <laughs> and, we was, <laughs> and we should probably add, if we are going to use that as our surprise intro, that Kirsty's also my cousin. Yes. Just yes. for, you know, tra- full transparency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we will start then with what we're each working on and go into what you're working on and then just talk about uh, story making in the venue of Women's Hour. Okay. So Angie, what are you working on? Uh, I am working on many different things, but at this point I am working on reestablishing my final master's project. That's kind of the thing that I'm doing. I had a really great conversation with my advisor who was sort of like, you're going this other direction because I felt like I had to do more producerly things to get it to where it needed to be so I could actually make the film. And I was getting increasingly depressed. And she's like, that's not you. Like, that's not what you're here for. That's not what you want to study. And so I am back to fun things like looking at the script and coming up with ideas for what things look like and directing. Directing. So, yeah. 
And I sent my manuscript into my agent, and so I'm just biting my nails down to the quick and trying to pretend I'm not waiting to hear back from her. <laughs> Light bleeding. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> so, um, Kirstie, what are you working on this, this day, this week? This very moment, I'm working on, I tend to end up working on the kind of heaviest. Theatre is my big love, so I spend a lot of time doing that for the programme, but actually I always end up doing the kind of more social issues, and so I have just, there's increasing homelessness in this country. I'm sure there is everywhere, but there is uh, quite a worryingly so here, and in London particularly, and I am the last minute working on a piece with two women, one woman who was homeless in the 90s with four small children mm. um, for about five years in and out temporary accommodation. But they, we also wanted, she's now running a kind of a, something called City Harvest, which they got the idea from in New York, actually, um, which is where they go around collecting food from shops, restaurants, whatever, and then delivering it to charities that help homeless people or hungry people. Uh, around the city or actually really in West London particularly there's a number of these now and this woman who was homeless in the 90s um, is doing that now and uh, she's also coming on with a woman called Yasmin who's 47 a mother and a grandmother and a sex worker who is living on a park bench in a London park um, so and her story is just really quite horrendous really so they're coming in tomorrow when we're going to pre-record it we always pre-record more difficult items because that way um, they can let people really tell their story and then after that we can edit it back um, to because we record probably 20 minutes and we'll record we'll kind of edit it down to 10 minutes so that we can um, put it out in a way um, that's more kind of you know the kind of more serious element I'm also working on uh, an interview with an actor young working class woman great um, in a in a new production of something called Imogen, which is actually Cymbeline, Shakespeare's Cymbeline. Yes! We I was disappointed we were going to be gone by the time that yes. came. Okay, you, you can hear me, yeah, because you disappeared <laughs> there. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. So I'm talking to yeah, a blank it's, screen. It's, it's just a yeah. bit unnerving because I can see you again now that I can see you. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, radio, radio, that's fine. Okay, yes. so, yeah, so she's, and she's, um, she's a great feminist. Uh, she was on a soap opera on TV and made the part of feminist part because she felt it was important to speak to teenage girls that were looking at her she's just great and this is a voice you don't hear on radio for which is where i work enough uh she also very interestingly um has put herself up as a celebrity endorser of an organization who called rape crisis mm -hmm. and rape crisis uh uh, she, they she, they didn't have anybody because they have approached people to be uh, someone to champion them, but they all well, nobody wants to touch it. So she's put herself up. She says, "You need, you need me, and I want to do this." And so she's just a remarkable young woman. So, so so heavy stuff on one level, and then inspiring things on the other. You know, and, and how um, do you find the so, stories? I mean, how do you find a topic, and how do you know if it's actually a story? Okay. Well, the, the theatre thing is obviously some business things. You know, you get sometimes people email. I think this particular person is like a press person who emailed into Women's Hour about the old woman who was homeless in the nineties and said, "Look at her! Look what she's doing! Look, you know how she's working now, sort of working for City Harvest." 
Um, and we thought that'd be really interesting to talk to her, but we also felt it was important to speak to somebody who was homeless now or in the, or in temporary housing now, so that it wasn't just a story, because it's such a problem here, it would feel a bit strange talking to somebody who'd been homeless. Not that it's not important, just you want something to make it kind of relevant for the moment as well. So yes. um, we have had that on the back burner for about three weeks now until they found somebody to talk to us. And... These are very women, particularly Paul is quite vulnerable, but Yasmin equally, who's living on the park bench, is obviously very vulnerable too. And uh, so, yeah, so so the story, so we just have to make contacts, talk to them for a while, and then um, uh, bring them in and, and record them. Uh, sometimes it's your own idea. You might read something, you might think about something, and, you know, that it seems... Um, uh, interesting, and we, we did a thing this week that we're doing something about. I was also working about something about fathers. So the story was something just varies. So, so people said so it might be your idea that you've read somewhere, or it could be people contacting the program, or you just like we had an instance talking about um, whether the NHS here. I know it's a much loved thing, and Americans always go on about how lucky we are, and we are so lucky, but actually, in my opinion, the current government is dismantling the NHS as fast they possibly can really and so there are lots of restrictions on what you can access and there were two stories last week about um there's a breast cancer drug here which costs like 43 pence a day which women have not been getting access to that they should have been considering it's so such a cheap drug as well um and then also um about ivf treatment um they're meant, you're meant to be able to access three if you need it obviously three rounds uh, from each health uh, care trust and lots of people aren't offering them or are offering much less than that so we kind of did this whole thing we put it together and said you know is access to women's health care being compromised you know specifically or were we you know women being targeted well we kind of knew that wasn't true but it's a way of covering these two issues and highlighting what's going on with the nhs you know so but we do always whenever we do a story we have to be very careful um about the balance so we're not seen to be attacking you know we're raising an issue and the presenters can ask some serious tough questions of who they're interviewing but we have to show bbc has to show balance at, at all times you know and even then people aren't always happy with it we'll get emails women's eye gets a lot of emails and tweets from men surprisingly going on about how biased we are how anti-male we are which we really really are not and really try not to be and um, or not be, you know, keep that balance. So, um, but we get criticised anyway, of course. Well, that you know, that NHS story as you described it is really just a lens at looking at a bigger issue, but it does have yeah. a particular impact. And again, um, you know, it's interesting. It's like uh, you used a couple of words to describe some of your uh, interviewees. You used the word vulnerable, which I don't think yeah. anybody in is is not even a concept I've ever heard journalism use, right? Like, you know, or or even the way people talk about uh, people they interact with. It was just interesting to me. It struck me. Mm. Um, it was just well, a we, sense of it. Well, I guess because uh, a woman's out, because it's not like straight, we are, that's quite the human aspect of things is really what we're about. We are, a, we're not a news program, mm -hmm. but neither are we a historical program either, or just a chit-chat program. So we, we're topical so it, we give a good, I mean, it's, it'll sound like nothing to you guys, but like eight eight minutes, let's say, for a discussion, which is, is nothing in terms of, but um, whereas if you were on a news programme, you might get three minutes, four minutes, maybe, you know. So um, but with, so within that, we try to get the human, so it's like if we're going to do a story about, let's, 
you know, let's say breast cancer, we would maybe get a CEO from a breast cancer charity or a campaigner, but we'd also get somebody on who'd had breast cancer. So you don't just have, you know, the CEOs discussing the policies and blah, blah, blah. You want to hear from the real people or like we did, I did a mental health thing, yes, a mental health and women yesterday. And um, we had a woman on who, uh, they run an, it's an umbrella organization for lots of charities that work with vulnerable women or with women at risk or whatever. And they've done this whole thing that's talking about the problem, mental health issues and how women not, not, not being, you're meant to give gender specific mental health services for women as the Department of Health recommend, but lots of places don't do that. I think one in, in England does it, and um, even though it's recommended. So we got her on talking about the problem of that, why, but then we also got on a woman who works with these women with women in mental health crisis who would explain to us very clearly why that's important so she's on the front line as we would describe it so it's not just talking heads you know so. and i noticed the pres- I, I listened to that one and i noticed the presenter was asking her to tell a story about a particular woman and she said you know of course i know you can't use names or anything but she really wanted to get down to the level of what's it like to be you know, an individual in this system, right? And, and she even yeah. she even asked her a couple of times to kind of get yeah. her to say that. Yeah, but I think, you know, quite understandably, I mean, she, the woman, I mean, I don't know, she was a bit reluctant because I think she's worried about identifying anybody, you know, and she's quite well known within, it was, we knew where she came, she worked at Drayton Park, we knew where she came from. So the connection, she was being careful as she should be really, because you have a duty of, we have also, besides this balance issue, also have a duty of care to the people that we interview. So you might be covering a story and somebody might willingly want to come on and talk about X, Y, and Z, but you have to warn them that even if they change their name, somebody might recognize their voice, you know, um, and they could be identified, they could be identified in that way. And people don't always think about that stuff. They want to get on and tell their story, not because they want their 15 minutes of fame, because they want to, you know, you know, whatever, put their point across or to explain their mission, but perhaps they're putting at risk other, not risk, but exposing the other people that they shouldn't, they, they, need to be thoughtful about people amazingly even i mean intelligent people but they don't necessarily work in the media or know what it's like can inadvertently put people their own family you know their kids or something at risk so you have to kind of make sure that they're thoughtful so this woman yesterday shirley was just being very understandably very careful of what she was saying not to identify any of her patients as it were so so you want to you want to get the human angle what else makes for a good story you know what else both in in preparing for it and doing the research and then also when it's happening live what makes you go oh this was this was a really good story do you have a kind of an idea and then you have to go around and see if you can find well one that it stands up and that whatever the article you read or the email that you read is actually there is substance in the story and that actually what they're claiming is true which is the first point of course <laughs> never, never believe and you know you always have to you know like go right back you have to just check up on everybody press people anybody um but also then you have then uh, then you have to find the people who can talk about it you know and um so once you've established it it's it's interesting. It's relevant for Women's Hour. Um, it could just be a run-of-the-mill story rather than being something less less um, main uh, mainstream um, uh, uh, to, to go on the program. And then you've got to make sure yeah, you've got someone who can. We always ask for a woman. 
we never say we won't only have women because then that gets everyone. Can that get, you can imagine you'll start getting reports in the press and never only asking for men and then our only asking for women and then our um, anti-male stance, which is not where we are at, uh, becomes we get accused of that again. So we always say we always offer women first, but obviously if the, the best speaker on this on this issue is a male, then we will think about it. And we do have men on, but we don't have many men on really, you know. So um, we're going to do a, 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 this issue, this um, thing about fathers tomorrow which was connected to uh, Bruce Springsteen talking about how much he didn't like his, or didn't get on with his dad. And then also another guy this week, a high-profile guy here called Jeremy Paxton, which you would never have heard of over there, um, talking about um, his his bad relationship with his father. So we're doing an item tomorrow about fathers. Um, and it's taken quite a while to set it up because it's good, again about finding the best people to talk about to talk about that particular item, you know, so, and somebody might be very knowledgeable, but have you have a, just a very poor, <laughs> a poor delivery. Um, but also, um, of course, because it's specifically about men, we've got two men to, to talk about it. So we've got a, a male. the question that I would have is in terms of, you know, a lot of people, it's like, I've got this great idea for writing about boats. And it strikes me that like writing about fathers is, or, or discussing fathers is kind of, broad in that way so how do you shape it down so that you are finding the right people because you're looking at this particular thing is about these two men are both saying that they had terrible relationships with their fathers and then we're looking at how we're specifically looking at fathers and sons and how bad relationships with their fathers have can have affected them you know i mean or, or what effect does it have you know you know mm-hmm. is is there a particular switch you know what happens to people when they've had a, a boy who's had a bad relationship with his father um so you so it doesn't it, yeah you don't ever there's it just depends on what is it just it might be a new set of research it might be a particular i mean we're not going to be talking to bruce springsteen or jeremy paxman about their fathers but it's a way of oh that's in the news it's something it's a kind of is it there's a, something there as a kind of little you know a thread there so let's let's have a look at it it's actually quite interesting because lots of people have bad relationships boys men have have had and do have bad relationships with their fathers and how does that you know what effect, if any, does that does that have? Because I mean, the conclusion might be that there isn't any, but it's or there isn't, isn't any worse than having a bad relationship with your mother or whatever, you know. So, um, but we're just kind of so we've got a psychiatrist um, or psychoanalyst, I think actually is who he is, and um, who specialises in children and teens and relationships. He's more of a kind of neuroscientist type person. But anyway, um, uh, it's a little bit dry him on his own. So not because he's boring, but because you know this is Woman's Hour. It's not a science program or a psychology program, you know. So so, and then we've got on a, a journalist who's written, who had a terrible relationship with his own father and has written about that. It's kind of influenced everything. He's hit all his stories, we're talking about stories, all his stories, whether they're written or whether they're films that he's made, have been really about fathers and stuff. So he's coming on to talk about it in a professional way, but also in a personal way. And it gives it what we call texture. Then, you know, it's not so, it's not so dry. The story is brought to life more for the people listening to it because they're not listening to Women's Hour because they... You know, um, they want detail on psychoanalysis. They what they're listening to it to get a feel for, for for you know for human stories, but with information. This is a radio for audience. It's not which 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 in this world means in our, in hope here is people. You know, you have an assumption a certain level of understanding and intelligence on the part of the listener, a requirement to be informed as well as entertained. It's not just to kind of everyone call in and have a rant and shout at each other and call each other names kind of um, 
network at all. You know, but people often call it call this radio for like a kind of talking, new, a talking newspaper, really, with mm-hmm. a bit of drama thrown in here and there. You know, so there's no music or rarely any music on on the um, on this network at all. You know, so so that's kind of what our kind of top line is: information and entertainment. Really, I, I would say about women and everything has to be. I mean, you know, it has to be, it could be, but we have done things like about prostate cancer because there'd be women talking about their husbands who refuse to um, deal with their health very well. They don't mm. want to go to the doctor and it's quite well known. I mean, I'm sure this will be common in lots of places, but, who, you know, is a thing, a problem with men over here that don't take, um, don't look after themselves, won't go, refuse to go because they're frightened of going and, so we'll, we end up, you know, we end up talking about prostate cancer from from there and and why, you know, what happens and why men don't go and what the treatments like that kind of thing. So, but they are rare. Those, you know, we would do something like that. Generally, it would be a women's health issue or an international issue. We've done a lot of stuff about refugees recently, mm-hmm. inevitably, you know, um, a new book by a woman, you know, a new play by a woman or directed by a woman, you know. Um, tomorrow we're, we're no Friday. We've got an interview with Emily. Blunt and Paula Hawkins, and she wrote The Girl on the Train. Mm, you know yeah. that book? Uh huh. Yeah. I've yeah. not read it, so, but yeah. Did you yeah, read it? I, yeah, they made a film about it as well, which is opening. Is it opening in America yet? I don't know, I but don't anyway, it's opening here yeah. next week, I think it is. Have so. you, did you read the book? No. I don't really, you know, not my not my thing really you know so i don't know i mean i might you know i might do this there are copies lurking around there. i'm currently reading um, mansfield park by jane austen because i decided i had to alternate my contemporary reading with some classics that i missed out along the way so oh. and i'm loving mansfield park i have to say yeah yeah well this is sort of i mean you love theater and you love novels and here's yeah. and then he, and then woman's hour is like a different kind of story and, and you know the, and our podcast yeah. is really in a lot of ways directed at people who are creating story for film or for fiction or non-fiction yeah. or non or non-fiction you know but like narrative so i'm curious yeah. what um what sort of we what we can learn from women's hour about creating story and how you know how it draws on different techniques or similar techniques to theater or to to novels well, I mean, it's, I think it's all, you know, oh, it's difficult, really, isn't it? I think, well, like everything, it's, it's just, it, it, not everything, but anything, you know, any theatre piece or any film, you know, you find a story that you haven't, well, oftentimes there's stories that we've heard before, mm-hmm. as it were, but... Uh, <laughs> that was you. Oh, okay. Well, sometimes you, well, only usually when you call out, these phones can do that too. If you've been on uh, international calling for too long, they just cut you off. Um, I guess it's, it's anything. So the top, anything to do with women. Um, it that uh, a story about women. I mean, it's, you you say story, but I'm I'm thinking of it in a kind of broader tech context. So it's like um, that things that affect women's lives in whatever in whatever way. And, you know, uh, in in terms of work, in terms of family, um, in terms of health. Uh, you know, and oftentimes it, it, the way that you reflect the issue is by somebody telling their personal story mm-hmm. about what happened. So it's a factual thing, you know. And even when somebody might come on and talk about the role they're doing in a play or the role that the the book they just wrote, whatever you you're getting their personal stories within that as well. But we um, all know people who are incredibly boring. I think. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I what I. I think that as as we continue to kind of dig into this, the thing that strikes me is that, you know, it has a format and there's probably something in the format by mm. which 
some of what you're talking about gets um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, sorry, gets um, elicited. So, um, so that you know you're giving information on one hand, and um, and well, you're, you're you're staging a conversation, right? So there's almost like the, that aspect of like a play. You know, like there's the dialogue of it. Yeah, back and forth. yeah. But what I was well, getting... we, we, we are, we're changing, we're informing people as well, though, aren't we? I mean, to me, it's like whatever they thought the story was, perhaps we're changing their perspective on that story, right? And, and, or yeah. broadening their, their broadening their perspective, or, or getting them to understand the story of something that they maybe maybe to do with refugee women. Let's say, you know, what they think is going on, or their, their stereotypes, their prejudices. We might be breaking those down and t- sending them away with a different idea you know or an uplifting one or it can be an inspiring one I mean, oftentimes we get we get emails from people who say you know i heard that woman who just set up her business blah 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 so, you know and off i went and i thought i can do that too and off i went and i set it up and here i am five years later and it's all thanks to women's hour i mean i i suggest yeah, yeah. to some extent but you're changing in a sense you're you're using other people's stories to illustrate their lives that, that you know and then and other people hear those and oftentimes they are catalysts for, for changes mm-hmm. in their own lives Absolutely. if you sort of mean right. and ch- it changes their story without being too crap about it you know so um <laughs> and you do and you do get that re- regularly really you know i mean funny funny things and we had a woman who um has been on the program since but she a, a while ago she heard this story about an indian guy who had um i mean it wasn't on boomer's but actually but she uh about a guy who made um sanitary towels he he, he was very con- indian guy and he was very concerned the fact that his wife the plight for Indian women not having sanitary towels and so he found it and he invented this machine that was making made sanitary towels and, and um, she heard about this thing and um, I think it might have been on our program actually anyway she went off and she would, she'd been in refugee camps in, in Jordan and somewhere else and not uh, yeah and then decided that what she realised one of the fundamental things that women didn't besides no you know told as much as their lives no, no lack of food etc was about you know sanitary towels and not having them so she went off and, and got a replica machine made and got all these things uh, these sanitary towels um, made and sent out to all these places it's, become, it's not a business it's a social social concern mm-hmm. business it's like she's not making loads of money out of it it just kind of you know but she kind of you know so you know you did I mean that woman's her life has been she's got three kids there's a little town in Cornwall somewhere I can't remember where it is and it's just been turned upside down you know the story of her life is not the same as it was before she listened to the the item that she had on the program you know that's a fairly major thing but then obviously not you know it just inform, it informs people and I think um you know, in, yeah. in, in 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 lots of ways, you know, even health concerns, you know, make people realising that they, you know, they should go and check something out, or you know, so you are having an effect on on, on right. their lives. Really, it's, it, it's different from. Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I think what I was trying to sort of get at in format is that you aren't kind of just randomly doing a variety of different things every time you go to sit down, but there's something in the structure of the show that shares the information like you're talking about. And the human story um, kind of brings it into a, a relatability, like that point of view that allows the, the listener to 
engage, much like a protagonist. So you've got this content <laughs> yeah, information seem... and that your your interviewees are, in fact, sort of the role of the protagonist. I, uh, I almost oh, think the listener okay. is. I almost think the listener is the protagonist, right? Getting inspired and changing. I mean, all these stories that people well, are saying the, about that. changing. Right. Mm. So this is theoretical now, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but we do get. On, I mean, we generally it does. I mean, protect. You know, yeah. I mean, the listeners, you know, in a sense, are, well, they can't. I mean, protect. Also, they can. You know, since sometimes we get people emailing in wanting to tell their story about something. You know, mm-hmm. and so we invite them in to talk about whatever it is. I mean, it could, I can't even think of. It. I mean, somebody was incensed about the pressure of being made to breastfeed. You know, or, or made. You know what I mean? And a young mum and just. You know, she didn't want to do it, and does it. so she said, so "I want you to cover this. I want to come on and talk about my experience." And blah blah. You know, so you know they, they don't, then you know we won't always do it, but regularly we will pick up on other people's issues and and put them on air and and informs other people. You know, mm-hmm. you know it, again it, it inspires or you know antagonizes sometimes as well, obviously. <laughs> other yeah. people listening you know so you know it varies you know do, do stories ever just sort of die on the vine like you think something's going to be really interesting and and you can't find controversy or you can't find engagement you mean before they even get to air yeah you mean something you think is good oh god yeah 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 no regularly regularly i mean sometimes you know you can have a three in a day that you think oh it's, you know you want something for the next day you've got a gap in the program and 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 you think a story is going to oh, that sounds really interesting, and then you you find out actually a newspaper has re- reported it in, in accurately, and actually or oh, it's a really old set of research, or you know actually they didn't lie, but they just misreported it, mm. you know, or they, you can't it, it's too complex, or something that seems very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's just not you can't turn it around fast enough for the next day. So either you have to abandon it or you have to put it on in a, a few days' time. You know. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and also there's a thing where you also you put things on there that seem like they're going to go and go, and then they you your your interviewee um, telling their story decides to uh, it just gets panicked mm-hmm. and freaked out. The idea that three and a half million people are listening to her, so she just. So you have to, you gently try, you know, kind of you keep her on, you take her out a bit early, you know, that does happen as well. Because you know, we don't want to just get experts telling their, this is me, that's the thing about getting people on telling their stories is they're not professional, they're not like people, broadcasters, you know, they're not right. people that constantly give interviews about, you know, for a CEO of their company or whatever, which is much more interesting to listen to but also can have not catastrophic <laughs> consequences, but it can sometimes not quite work out. Makes for very quiet work. radio sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, just, it was just boring. You end up with someone giving very short answers and not really telling their story. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and the same, we have this line in when we have these things called post-morts after the program when we go over uh, post-mortem yeah. uh, when we go over the program and the content and the amount of times we said well she was great on the telephone yesterday <laughs> but we've all said that you know and someone's just kind of freaked out on it and, you know so mm-hmm. nothing you can do about it really so. what have you learned about interviewing doing this for for you know 14 plus years don't ask yes and no questions yes uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, be clear concise um, you know, uh, you know, you ask the hows, you know, whys, uh, uh, rather, rather than is it this and that sort of thing. Um, what have I learned? Uh, yeah, 
I can't really, you know, God, I'm obviously it's getting a bit tired now. I can't think of a single, other than not asking yes or no questions, I, I can't think of a thing about, um, not, you know, not being, you know, like letting people talk, not being too, it's a bit difficult on radio, um, a live radio, but certainly when you're doing pre recorded stuff, that you don't be afraid of the silences, let people, you know, let people. Let it let it go quiet for a little while, and let, then let people carry on. Because often people are just kind of gathering their thoughts, or if it's a difficult story, they might be just kind of taking a deep breath, and then you know they need to carry on. You know, not don't be scared of it. You know, just just sometimes people take time to to tell the things. It, it can get very scary if they're doing it live <laughs> as a producer. But um, yeah, when you're pre-recording, it's it's it's, it's, it's a different thing. What else have I learned about? Yeah, yeah, clear, concise, and not and not putting. You know, some presenters have a habit of. See, I don't do the interviews on live work because basically, what I, my job is to find a story, find the people to talk about it, write a brief, and then I talk to the presenter of the program that day, and and then they they go on there and they do the questions and stuff. Yeah. So you can't, you know, you you write the suggested questions, but at the end of the day. Um, and the, what I have learned is that the better interviews are the ones that there's some kind of progression, that structure is actually quite a useful thing so that you kind of have a beginning. Not not a, a structure that is immovable, um, uh, you, that you can't, you know, uh, you can't change, but that you know, beginning, a middle and an end rather than a great big jumble, which can be quite unsatisfying to listen to. Mm. Um, and, and, yeah, and not, and not putting too much of yourself, you know, when you're interviewing, you know, it's actually... Um, which for some of our presenters sometimes have a habit of doing it's about them you know not necessarily um, it gets too much about them and their experience not the questions of the person that you're interviewing you know mm. so. and what I want to say about that <laughs> is yeah well speaking of which it's time for our steal this segment so T.S. Eliot said amateur poets borrow professional poets steal so we end each podcast uh talking about something or things we've come across through reading or watching or talking or whatever that we want to in some way take and make our own so i'll start um and i just started reading the known world by edward p jones and the point of view is so spectacular at one point like a couple pages in we've been following this this one um sort of overseer who's a slave and and he and it's and it goes to the point of view of the the person who's who the master bought the land from who went back to ireland and lied to his family that he had made a great success but he'd missed them too much and that's why he came back even though really the land doesn't grow anything and they sort of put us in this little scene in ireland all of a sudden and then they come back to the world we're following and um, yeah. and then from there on, this book can just go anywhere and follow any character, and it can leap into the future and tell us something that happened. And um, and I just it's it's really compelling to me, and I'm thinking a lot about my my next book and having it be kind of an ensemble point of view like that. So that's something I'm yeah. wanting to steal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Angie, you yeah. want to do one and then. Um... Mostly, I think that uh, I've been thinking a lot about overwhelm. And so some of the classes I've been taking about filmmaking have talked really about breaking down into those very, very small, small chunks. So rather than thinking about shooting the whole scene, what is the action that you need to capture? And we've talked about like David Mamet and his book on directing film. But this is just the idea of like really small, concrete actions and thinking about that in terms of both my work but also in 
how I perceive communicating with pe- with people visually. So that it's not just yeah. like, here's this big swath. I mean, it's beautiful, but um, what are those little pieces that say so much? Hmm. How about you, Kirsty? Anything you've come across you want to steal? I want to steal. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there was one, there's a presenter on Radio 4 who does a program called Desert Island Disc, and um, she she just has the most fantastic, she asks the most fantastic questions without... I can't even really explain it. And I want to, and I often, I have to say, I, I often listen to her interviews and I write down her questions because she answers, she just has a way of interviewing people, which, you know, and she, they're all high profile, sometimes very famous uh, people. And it really, Desert Island is about their kind of, this, if they were stuck on a desert island, what they, what songs that they would take, music they would take with them. And they give these short kind of brief um, music. But in between time, they're talking about their lives and their stories, you know. So, and she just has a way of, the best I think I've heard, even though I mean she doesn't work on Women's Hour, and I maybe mean, I shouldn't even say that. But anyway, <laughs> but she, she, yeah. And I would like to steal her way. I would like to steal her brain to be able to ask questions or formulate questions in the way that she that she does. You know, so I have to say, I can't I think... remember her name. Her name is Kirsty as well. I've forgotten her surname. She's terrible. So. We'll look her up and put it in the show notes. I think you're the first person who's wanted to steal someone's brain. So. <laughs> Her ability to ask with her brain, her ability to ask questions in the way that she she does. I wish it was natural, you know, um, because it's such a, I don't know, it's such an art, you know, because people who don't do it very well, when you listen to radio all the time, like I do, you know, the people who don't do it well compared to the people that do it beautifully, Mm. you know, and it, you know, and for someone who doesn't work in this world, why would you care? But actually, you know, it makes a massive difference to how people how people tell you their stories and the way the way that you ask them you know yeah i think that's such a key takeaway from this whole conversation can you tell our Mm -hmm. listeners how to find woman's hour uh well the bbc website i I, can you i don't even can you get it internationally i'm not even sure if you can we we, subscribe to the podcast through itunes oh okay Oh, okay. So you just go, you just type in, you know, Google BBC Women's Hour and up it will come. And then you've got, what's, what's amazing about it, there's a dog back right there. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that you can not only hear, you can, you can get the podcast, but you can go back and there are, um, and listen to programs way back. And lots of, and the good thing is you can, they also chapterize them. So if the program, there are like four or five items in it and you don't necessarily want to listen to everything in there, you don't have to. You can just hit the button for the bit that you want to hear, yeah. which is a really useful and uh, way of, of using it. And they've got a timeline on them. They've got, you know, series. There's a series on there about um, sex work um, that I did, which oh. is on there. But there's also things about, because there's, there are, there is the odd cooking item and stuff like that. But anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, well, very, it's fine, it's... which I, I don't, I'm not interested in that stuff, but it is there and lots of people are interested in it. Anyway, yeah, so there's loads, there's lots of archives, stuff, episode, old episodes, etc. you know, so yeah. definitely worth going and having a look. Including, as you mentioned, author interviews, which a lot of our listeners might be interested oh, in Oh, well. yes, loads of author interviews. Yes, absolutely. Well, Paula Hawkins, you can hear yeah. on Friday, <laughs> if you're interested, the woman who wrote Girl on the Train. And it's a really, really, I've listened to it already. It's a lovely interview between the two of them. It's a very, very intelligent um, both the actor and the writer so I'm coming at it from obviously from very different perspectives but still was it, it's a lovely interview yeah. so yes we do have at least once or twice a week we have authors on the programme you know there's somebody called Charlotte Mendelssohn coming on tomorrow who's talking about 
something to do with gardening, which sounds very dull, but it really isn't. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, it's like kind of like very lively, high speed, um, intense gardening. But anyway, she's just, you know, lots of different, lots of non-fiction and fiction that we cover. Uh, sometimes we have to be a bit careful actually, because we end up doing an awful lot of authors actually. And so it can get a bit, bit too like the book program which is we have to be a bit careful because we don't want to be too heavily want anything you know we want to make sure we're covering a range of stuff all the time so well yeah, i love i love author interviews so you can't have too much for me but <laughs> yeah 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 no no i know exactly but it's just just because we're a magazine program so we have to you know yeah. but and obviously books are a natural place to go but yeah we had one recently with um you know rose tremaine yeah you know, rose yeah, tremaine? yeah yeah she we had her on for the gustav sonata and she was she was lovely you know and um Anyway, there are there are probably any, but almost well. The thing is, of course, there won't necessarily be loads of American. There are quite a lot of American authors, but um, ones that you you will mostly have heard of, definitely. Yeah. We we tend because it's Women's Hour. We tend to get the more high profile authors on the program because um, they want to come on because they've got a big audience, but also just because it's the kind of they love Women's Hour and they want to come and talk about their book, you know. So and some lesser known ones as well, but mostly the bigger the bigger names. So yes, go and check it out. Download that <laughs> podcast. Well, thank you so, so much. I hugely appreciate oh, your taking the time and, and talking to us. I know. I, I have to go because I have to rush yeah. off to the theatre. Oh, enjoy. You know, I wish I, I could go with I you. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to the theatre that I took you to, you guys to to see Bugsy Malone, but it's not on anymore. We're going to see a new one. So oh. it's lovely to speak to you both and lots of love and take care and speak to you soon. All right. Love you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 bye.